Not all ghosts are scary. Visits from late loved ones can bring us comfort or serve as gentle warnings. Then again, those of us who have seen our dearly departed often see those scary kinds of ghosts too. Stacy has encountered both beautiful visits from her late brother and chilling interactions with something far more sinister. Let's hear her stories today on Homespun Hates. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Homespun Haints. I'm Becky. And I'm Diana. Today, as usual, we have quite a plethora of great stories for you. And we'd like to remind you that if you like what you hear on the show and you want more, and we know you want more, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Homespun Haints. And also check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash homespun haints, where we publish public articles and put out exclusive minisodes for our patrons. So today on the show, we have Stacy Short, who is also a podcaster. But before we get her on here, Diana, I have to tell you about what happened to me in the wee hours of the morning this oh, morning. What happened? Something happened last night. Uh oh. I think my house might be haunted after all. Well, I, mean... I don't know. Okay, so you know how things have been like flying off of shelves and stuff in my bedroom? Yeah. And I've been like, yeah, whatever, you know, this shit happens. I've just been kind of discounting it, like, whatever. And there have been a few times where I've been sleeping and I have felt what I thought was the cat sleeping on my legs, but the cat wasn't there. Mm. And I was like, mm, maybe I'm dreaming it. Maybe it's just my muscles are asleep or something. It just feels like there's a weight on my legs. And she has this chair she likes to sleep in. So there have been several times in the middle of the night where I wake up and I feel her on my legs but she's in the chair. So I'm like, okay, mm. I, I've just kind of brushed it off. But last night, I do not know how to explain this at all. My daughter woke up and she's sick. So she wakes up in the middle of the night and my husband is dealing with it. And I hear them come into the room and I'm like in that weird in between awake and asleep space. My husband says to me, hey, honey, do you know where the children's Sudafed is? She's sick. She needs some Sudafed. And I mumbled something. He's like, oh, yeah, it's over there. And I'm like, I'm going to go back to sleep. I'm like, if I pretend to be asleep, he'll have to deal with it. You know, because there were all those nights when she was a newborn and I had to deal with everything. So I'm like, let him deal with this one. Right. Because he had a much longer commute than me. Mm -hmm. It was like, OK, well, who's more likely to die if they fall asleep on the road? That's not the person that needs to get up every night. So I'm there. I'm half asleep. And I felt someone. So I'm like on top of the covers, like on my side. And someone came along and started pulling on my nightgown. I could feel like it was like almost like fingernails on my skin. Like someone was grabbing the nightgown and pulling on it. And I was like, is my child yanking on me because I'm not awake? And I look up. And no, she's over there. And so is my husband and the cat's in the chair. What? Yeah. I'm still trying to rationalize this in my brain. I'm like, you know, I'm kind of tired. Maybe I just dreamt that. Now I'm awake. I looked at the clock. It's 2.20 in the morning. It's not like a weird time or anything. I'm wide awake and I'm watching them. So I'm seeing them with my eyes standing there 
And my husband's saying, okay, well, let's go back in the kitchen. I'm going to try and find the medicine. And the yanking started again. (gasps) They didn't see anything. I'm wide awake. And it was, it was so clear. I was like, this is not muscle spasms. This is not me dreaming it. Something is pulling on me, scratching my skin. It was like something was saying, get up, get up, come on, get up, go take care of your daughter, get up. And so I finally just like sat up and I said, all right. And I got up and I medicated her. Well, my husband went right back to sleep because he's like, okay, she's got this. <laughs> I'm like, damn it. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. That's scary. Did you tell him about it? I did this morning. It did not feel ominous. It just felt inexplicable. It was just like a, a Facebook poke. It was like, get up. Wow. And it couldn't have been the but, cat. No, the cat was in the chair. I looked. I was awake enough that I could lift my head up a little bit. Okay, cat's in the chair. This was something with opposable thumbs because it was actually grabbing hold of my my nightgown and scraping my skin with its nails as it yanked on the gown. So I felt the fabric moving against my skin and I felt the nails of something scratching my skin. What? I would have rolled over and been like, honey, look at my back. Do I have scratches on my back? Oh my gosh. But it was gentle. It was gentle. It just kind of felt like something was saying, get up, take care of your kid. I don't know, Diana. I'm really confused. I don't know what's going on. Well, I guess you'll have to move. Oh, well, hi. Hallelujah. (laughs) You're here. I'm here. Today on the show, we have Stacey Short, who's also a fellow podcaster. I'm going to let you talk a little bit about it, your podcast and what it's all well, about. Hello. What's your group? Like, do they call themselves the Hainters or the Homespunners? Or the... <laughs> I think that's it. You guys have been now christened. You are the Hainters, okay? The Hainters. Yes. <laughs> do be a Hainter. Yeah. Do be a Hainter. Don't be a hater. That's the new motto of the I group. love it. Stacy. thank You're you. You're very welcome. It's just my pleasure. <laughs> I just got off a recording from my own podcast that's called Help, I'm Adulting and I Can't Give Up. I had the beautiful Laura powers on and she's an intuitive. So I feel like I'm right in that sweet spot of channeling a little bit. And that literally just came through me. So it's probably what it should be. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't presume to claim to be an intuitive, but sometimes that happens. So anyway, mama two, two boys, two dogs. I live in Las Vegas. I am a single mom. I have a degree in psychology. I intended to use that for my life. But when my oldest was born, he's 14 and a half now, we figured out that he was born without an immune system. And so my life took a drastic turn. And I had to pursue other career paths that would allow me to take him to the doctor during the day. So it's always been burning inside me to help people. I do that through my Facebook. I do a few short minutes, which are Facebook lives that I try to keep under 10 minutes about like just different topics that's helpful. And then um, my friend and I, her name is Darylin Caesar, started Help I'm Adulting and I Can't Give Up a couple months ago. And we kind of pattern ourselves after Dear Abby, if you are old enough to remember that. We are. Maybe, maybe (laughs) not. I'm not I'm not uh, disclosing. Adulting is hard. So let us solve your problem for you so you don't have to. You guys can find it on where you find podcasts. And I would love to have some constructive feedback. So please leave a review or DM me or whatever. When your podcast with Laura, the medium comes out, I bet our listeners would go listen to that. Oh my gosh, you guys have to listen. She was just delightful. Truly, truly. She seems like such a nice person. She was so delightful. (laughs) 
Sorry. Diana? You want to explain what that's for, Diana? Oh, no, that was just a phone call. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought that was because um, you have the reminder to change the bucket from... <laughs> Oh, no, I already changed the bucket today. We're good. <laughs> she, has a, she has a plumbing issue. I was like, do you not, are you not allowed to get up on Tuesdays? You just came up. We're <laughs> <laughs> <are> so busy. <laughs> I'm in the process of replacing an old toilet. And, uh, uh, I, I've disconnected it, but I have not connected the new one yet. And unfortunately, the connection from the wall drips a little bit. So I need to empty a bucket every 12 hours. Oh, goodness. Yeah, that's a bit. So, Stacy. When you first reached out to me, it was actually a very touching story of something that happened to you shortly after you had a death in the family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I've actually had it twice. When I was seven, my great-grandmother passed and got the news. We were in Alaska at the time. My great-grandmother's in Oklahoma. So we got the news and my mom was upstairs packing or something. She wasn't in the room that I was in with my brothers. And I saw my great-grandma very much like this, a window behind. So it was like backlit. And I saw her floating and I knew it was her because she had this extremely long gray hair that she just tied in this knot on the top of her head. Like, this huge bun and and she was a frail little thing because she's I don't know she was in her 80s when she passed but I loved her because she was spitting vinegar for the (laughs) age she grew up in and that's the first entity ghost I saw at seven I've always been a little bit empathic and my grandmother would say touched because again Oklahoma (laughs) so we always grew up just kind of feeling others energies and uh, every now and then I'd have a dream that would come to fruition it's just a little weird my youngest brother was even more so of an empath to the point where it gave him anxiety uh, to be out in public he actually had social anxiety. Um, He was also bipolar and an addict. So I think he just never knew how to tune it out. Three and a half years ago, he had decided to leave this earth of his own volition. And I've never had a worse day in my life. He was the baby brother and I was seven years older. So I was the one that kind of raised him while my mom worked 50, 60 hours a week. She wasn't a single mom, but she was working on Capitol Hill during most of our formative years. So he used to call me his second mom. I mean, he would say that. The fact that I lost him was just devastating. So fast forward a couple of years later, two and a half years ago, I guess, I am battling chronic pain syndromes, chronic something, obviously depression, but it was more than that. I was internalizing it and I was actually experiencing a lot of physical pain. I actually had a um, C5, C6 neck surgery because that disc burst. In that time when I was awaiting surgery or right after the surgery, I actually was taking Ambien because I was in so much pain, I wasn't able to sleep. One night I took my Ambien like normal and I never went to sleep, never. The next day, around 11 o'clock, I came downstairs, and my mom was actually there, so it must have been right after the surgery, and she said, what's the matter with you? And I said, listen, I haven't slept, like, all night, all night, and I need to sleep because I'm exhausted and I hurt, so can you just watch the kids for me, please, and, and take care of them today? And she was like, yeah, no problem. So I went back upstairs, took another Ambien. Now, guys, they were eight hours apart. So it's not like I took them back to back or, you know, stupidly dosed myself. I'm very careful with medicine because my brother was an addict. I am very cognizant of turning on that gene. To be honest, I don't want to be on the medication that I have been on throughout the last few years, but I do have to function. So I took it and the last thing I remember was taking it and laying down. 
so that was probably around 11 o'clock. And then I came to around five o'clock in the emergency room. I was strapped down to a bed. Yeah. My mom and dad were sitting by my side. There was a doctor at the foot of my bed. And I was like, what the heck? What, what am I? Whoa. Did I stop like whoa. breathing in my sleep? Like what is going on? Sometimes Ambien can cause a temporary psychosis, which no doctor ever told me about. I had heard about the sleep eating. I had heard about the sleep driving. I've heard about that stuff, but I never knew that it could cause a temporary psychosis. I was like, excuse me. Ooh. And come to find out, like I was telling, I was looking for, I don't know if you guys have seen Finding Dory, but I was looking for Hank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I was Kids. looking for, exactly, <laughs> Hank the octopus. And I was trying to clean his cage and put him back in it. <laughs> I know it's no, not funny, it is but hilarious, <laughs> actually. It is hilarious because I don't remember doing this. And what the heck was I even doing? I think I had watched Finding Dory with the kids the day prior. And so that makes a lot of sense. But I had this pink bathrobe that was Hank. And I was like putting him in the bathtub while I cleaned out an imaginary cage. Like it was a whole, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and this all happened while you were on Ambien. You had no recollection. They took you to the hospital. Black the fuck out. <laughs> Seriously. Awesome. Like completely don't have any recollection. Then my mom said I was trying to get court papers together for a deposition that I needed to file. Like what? I am, I'm not a lawyer. I have no interest in the law. Like, <laughs> what? I think, I think I'd been honestly watching Suits at that time while I was like trying to go to sleep. So that's probably immediately in my psyche. And so I don't know. So after a few hours of this, they called the ambulance because they were concerned. Like they were, I was walking around topless and <laughs> terrible, terrible. All this without a good no. night of drinking, ladies. Damn it. <laughs> All the pain, none of the exactly. fun. Exactly. What the what? So after <laughs> I convinced the doctors that I didn't need a 5150, that I was actually sane and sober and negotiated giving up the Ambien with my parents, which was fine. I didn't mind. Obviously, I'd never want to do that again. Never want to cause any of that again. Thankfully, now that I'm a single mom, like even more so, because what are my 12 and 14 year old kids going to do? Call 911, I guess. Um, or make sure I don't walk out the door naked, please. That's that's all I can ask, right? Like, just put a top on me. <laughs> Let me find Hank and just put a top on me, please. So anyway, when I finally got home and I got into my bed, I went straight upstairs to my room and I laid down. Literally everybody came into my room and it was my mom, my dad, my ex-husband and my two kids, but there were six people. And I saw behind my ex-husband, my brother. And he was there, plain as day. I could see through him, but he was just lined up with the rest of them. And he was there to check on me. And my mom said, you gave us a scare. And I said, I know, Nathan's here. Oh man! And I said, I'll never touch it again. Because if he showed up, oh, I'm getting the goosebumps. Um, if he showed up to, to check on me, it was that serious. He died because of his addiction and um, his, his mental health issues. And he was there to make sure that I didn't trigger the same. So mm -hmm. he's checked on me a couple of times. I saw him a couple nights later by my bedside. And I actually had a reading with a psychic on the anniversary of his first death. Um, and she said, because he committed suicide, that he wouldn't be around a lot, but only there when it's important because he had a lot of healing to do. So he was in this like quiet place, basically. Not the John Kransky, Emily Blunt movie, but like, you know, this white light <laughs> healing place mm -hmm. and that don't feel abandoned. 
because he needed to heal. His soul needed to heal from the trauma, but he was fine. He wasn't in hell, which was something I was, I didn't want him in purgatory and all of that stuff. He has come a couple of times and I felt him, but he's, like she said, he's not around a whole heck of a lot. So the fact that he showed up that day, I was like, okay, I got it. I'm listening. It was the craziest thing, even more crazy than seeing my great grandmother, because at seven, you don't really, you're like, what is going on here? That's really weird. And you kind of like look away, rub your eyes and you're like, okay, that didn't go away, you know, but nobody else, <laughs> my, my brothers were in the room and like, none of them said, Hey, what's that thing right there? Or I was like, okay, just ignoring it. Like kind of like the pull the card. <laughs> you can't see yeah. me. I can't see you like type thing. So yeah, but seeing Nathan, he was so corporeal in that aspect. So I haven't touched an Ambien since then. I've been very, very careful with medications. So when you saw Nathan, could you tell if he knew that you saw him? Was there any connection? No, I don't know. I feel like he showed up that strongly because he wanted me to see him. Um, Because other times that I had felt him prior and before it was literally one time I did see him but he was like really wispy in and out and at that time he was pretty damn solid nobody else saw him and when I said mom Nate's Nate's right behind my ex-husband she turned I mean she turned to look because of course it's her son it's her youngest she wants to see him at any point in time that he shows up she wants to be a part of that but she didn't see him so I think he was expressly there for me right then she gets whiffs of him and she gets whiffs of the hospital. I mean, the smells? Yeah. She gets whiffs of the hospital mm-hmm. and like the smell of alcohol because we actually had to turn the machines off. So, and I watched him pass over an iPad because I was in Vegas and he was in Tulsa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I got there 12 hours too late. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. It's, uh, it was really difficult. So I think he was, he was there just for me at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And then he comes around my mom, um, but she's, I don't think she's ever seen, seen him. She just gets the feeling and the smells more than anything. And you, you said that you saw a wisp of him once. Mm-hmm. When he I was, it was, he was by my bedside, and I was right in that space between sleep and wake. You know that mm-hmm. space that everybody says makes you more vulnerable to visits mm-hmm. and and whatever. And so I was in that in between state, and it was a wisp of him, and he just was stopping by to see me, and I and I said, "I'm good. I love you," and he. He went. I wish I got more of those visits from him because the amount that my heart is still broken three and a half years later is just indescribable. But I can't be selfish. And the psychic said that I'm going to have to learn to live and not to see him anymore and just trust that he's okay because they can't stick around. It, it, they have to move on. Their soul has to heal and they have to make their new contract and come back in where and when they want to, need to, whatever. And in that time, they're in the divine energy, whatever you want to label that, heaven, God, Jesus, like Yahweh, Allah, I don't, paradise, whatever you say, whatever you believe in. Um, Nate and I always believed in the universe and energy because energy cannot be created nor destroyed, just transmuted. So he's been transmuted into something else for now. And I did have another one just in the realm of like just craziness of my life. So in the Air Force, 
we moved to many different houses. We lived like 14, 16 different places in my life. We moved every two and a half to three years. I went to high school in Northern Virginia, and then we moved to Southern Virginia to the Hampton Roads area. My dad was on the Langley Air Force Base there. That's We lived there. Oh, cool. Very cool, because that was the first Air Force Base, and it's a lot of history, including the housing. Ooh. Yeah. The housing that we moved into was from 1810. It was stamped above my door. 1810 brick really hadn't changed the inside, like as far as like massive renovations. I mean, the kitchen had been updated, obviously electricity, but the the structure of the house, the bones of the house, the stairway was like basically mended versus reconstructed. And it was super cool being in there. But the first couple of nights that I was in there, I just felt uneasy, like completely didn't want to go to sleep, didn't really like my room. was like, okay, well, do I need to change my bed? Do I not like the windows in front of it? Like what is going on with me? And I woke up one night in the middle of the night. Now people are going to say, oh, say sleep paralysis. No, <laughs> it was not sleep paralysis because I just moved into this room. I had just moved into this house and I could see everything, including boxes, plain as day. Like plain as day. And there was something so negative pressing on me. I really couldn't move. Finally, I got a scream out. And I tried to you know, close your eyes, make it go away, pray to whomever. At that point, I was like, okay, God, please like, come save me, get them off, whatever's going on. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what this is. Why are you, who are you? What do you want? Type thing. 19, I was 19. And so I screamed for my father screamed and he came running in like somebody was killing me and he was like what is going on with you what is like (sighs) you know and I said something's in here and he was like Stacey you just had a bad dream I'm like no dad okay I was 19 and pleading with my father to stay in my room with me like daddy please don't leave me please don't leave you can't leave me daddy I can't I, I can't go back to sleep something's trying to hurt me and I had this little couch in my room and my dad with his six foot frame like squeezed himself on the couch for that night and I was so thankful well then the next night my mom said what was going on with you last night and I said can you like either you or dad I don't care and she's like dad has to get up in the morning he's got to fly he needs his crew rest and I said that's fine can you sleep in here (laughs) and my mom (laughs) slept in there the next two nights well in those next two nights so my mom's there I can see her I can hear her breathing as I'm going to sleep but as I'm going to sleep I get these loving fingers stroking my head like your mom or your grandmother would do about like you know everything's gonna be okay fingers through my hair like everything's gonna be fine I'm sorry that person scared you you're welcome here there were two nights of that and then nothing ever again oh wow What do you make of the those fingers stroking your hair? Who do you think that was? I don't know. Um, my my grandmothers were both alive at that time, so I don't think it immediately. You would think it was one of them. I didn't get the feeling she was related to us. And I remember telling my mom when I relayed this to her, I said, "I don't think she's one of our like. I don't think it was my great grandmother or whatever. Like, I don't think she was ours. I think she was connected mm. to the house. And I'll tell you, every time I opened my closet door, I hated." opening my closet door. I didn't even put any clothes in there because I hated my closet, opening my closet. So whatever 
I don't know if that was like, not to sound completely woo-woo, but I am completely woo-woo, so whatever. I don't know if there was a portal there or if that's where the energy decided to make us home or whatever, but I hated opening my closet door, so I just didn't put clothes in there. That very first night, you know, you've just moved in, there's boxes everywhere. Were your closet doors open that evening? Ooh, now that you say that, oh God, I'm getting goosebumps. So yes. I'm pretty freaking sure that that thing was open. It was cracked, but it was open. I hated that thing. And you say that now, and let's see, I was 19, I'm 43 now, and I just want to throw up. Did you shut the closet doors some subsequent nights uh, when your mom probably. was? Probably, because we all, even though you're 19, like I was afraid of the dark until I was in my mid-30s, okay? I would jump over my bed just in case anything decided to move in under my bed during the day and like, you know, grab me. So all closet doors are shut. My kids are the same way. I'm so sorry. I screwed you mm. up. <laughs> Take the mom guilt on that one. Foot that therapy bill. Yeah. So I don't like closet doors open. And I think I, that one had been just because I was moving in and, you know, shuffling things around and, and mm-hmm. needed closet space. Cause I'm a 19 year old girl. Like, what do you expect? But yeah, after that, I was like, nope, nope. Shut. And then the mm-hmm. other freaky thing is it had a mirror on the side of it, like a full length mirror on the outside, on or the, the outside. Mm-hmm. So I still, oh. yeah, I still didn't even like looking in the full length mirror because I just didn't want to be around that stupid closet. Oh. So I don't know that the, and I get the the male and energy and the female energy. And I understand gender as a construct. I get that you guys, but this is for my own layman esque terms. So a, a dominant energy and a nicer feminine-ish energy. I get the feeling she was stronger. The fact that she could come mm-hmm. in two nights and the fact that she mm-hmm. made that whatever it was never bother me again. I don't feel like they ever went away. I just think they went dormant or whatever. Would have trapped him in the closet. She kept him <laughs> away from me. I mean, I would have to open that closet, but it was so fast and so shut so quickly. Did you ever happen to notice if there was, you know, some closets will have like um, a door in the top Mm. to the attic? Mm -hmm. No, the attic catch was actually in the hallway. That was the oldest house we had lived in. So how long did you end up living in this house? I want to say 18 months. Oh, okay. Yeah, short time. Thank you. Because who knows how long she could have kept the other thing in check Diana, do you have any questions? Mm. I saw you taking notes there. I know. You're a green personality, aren't you? You guys know the personality colors. Like red is competitive. Yellow Mm -hmm. is very empathetic. Blue is the fun. And then green is like the organized. So I'm a blue yellow. So like a hundred percent red. You're yeah. red, red, but you're taking notes. So that's a red green. She makes me take notes. It's Becky. <laughs> well, I, I'm red too. I know. <laughs> so he does a better job here. Right. How you guys have this podcast is beyond me then. If you're both, well, Darren and I are both blues. So we have to like squirrel often. Yeah. Uh, one thing that. Oh, oh, no. Diana. Come back. Hey, hey. the internet does that about once a day. And somehow it always does it while I'm on a podcast or at work. It's the ghost. He wants on. You didn't really get rid of it. Non-binary wants on. I guess I should listen. I'm trying. The ghost ghost that I sensed in my basement has never been gendered. Up here? Oh, gendered. (laughs) Does it move around the house? I don't know. It used to be just in the basement, but I recently banished it from the basement. So it might be up here now. I don't know. I've been dealing with this entity since I was little, little, little. This has been my... 
my childhood home, the house I was born in. So we have an understanding. Mm. And then I banished them. And it's kind of like, they, yeah, they get mad. (laughs) Okay, deuces. I'm out. Mm -hmm. Upstairs. Upstairs. (laughs) I was just curious because you said that when you were talking with somebody that when somebody passes, they have processing to do before they get a new contract. Can you tell me what you mean? Yeah, absolutely. So she is a psychic. Her name is Cheryl Johnson. I think it's Reverend Cheryl Johnson. You can look her up. She's got her own website. She's amazing. She actually came recommended to me from my therapist and she charges very reasonably. I think it's $100 an hour. She records it. She sends oh, it to yeah. you and it's yours forever. So when I'm feeling really low, I actually go and like listen. Or if I'm missing him a lot, I'll go and listen because I I have no doubt she pegged him. I have no doubt that she channeled him because she was speaking like him. And it was like, oh, sorry, my bad, which is totally my brother. of Like, whoops, <laughs> I didn't know you guys were going to miss me that much. My bad. I shouldn't have done that. Like, oh. She said to me that we all come in, our souls all come in with a contract of basically what we intend to achieve in this life and with a how we're going to leave-ish. Of course, you have free will. So there's a couple of routes of out, but it's always usually around the same time, which my brother used mm-hmm. to tell me, Stacy, I'm not long for this world. I know that. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I would tell him, don't you dare fucking leave me. Don't you dare. She said that I actually saved him a couple of times that I didn't know about because I would have that conversation with him of like, what am I going to do without you? What am I going to tell your nephews? Like, what am I, how how do you think mom's going to react? Like, what are you thinking? No, but he would say that all the time. I am not long for this world. I know that. And I'd just be like, no, I don't accept this, like cancel. Mm -hmm. So you come in with a contract of what you need to achieve in this life. It's kind of like the idea of true karma. So what you do in this life affects your next. And so apparently his past lives had been a bigger struggle than his struggle here, which heroin addict, manic depressive, suicidal, like what? His, this was actually a good life. And she said it's because he had a family that loved him. He hadn't had that support before. He didn't have that love before. And so this is what his soul needed now to heal. And yet it was still broken. So that's why it ended the way it ended. But he came in knowing that he was not going to be here very long. I always say the saving grace for him is that he didn't have children. I thank him for that every day because I don't know what I would do with my nieces and nephew. Like, what would I do with his children? What do I tell them about their father? I can't imagine the abandonment feelings that people have, uh, children of suicidal parents um, or that have committed suicide because that abandonment, I don't know that that can ever be fixed. So that's what Reverend Cheryl Johnson told me is that you're, you come in and you have this kind of to-do list. And once you complete it, like your soul is done learning. And that doesn't mean your soul is done living this life, but you kind of checkmarked what you need for the next life. And so your next life should be progressively better than this. So it truly is like if you ever read about true karma, that is the Hindu version of karma and past life and what you do in the, this life matters in the next. So it was really interesting to hear from a Western woman. So she said that he did that contract and that the next contract that he comes in with, whenever that is, will be a better, bigger 
whatever for him. And I, I should find solace in that. And so I do. I do. I feel better that he is in a place of healing, uh, even though I miss the hell out of him every day. I'm glad he is getting that healing. And I just pray to whomever is taking care of him that he doesn't struggle like he struggled in this lifetime. Then maybe he has one last thing. If that's all it is, it's one last thing, then great. The only beef I really have with him still is that I talked to him the day before and he said, okay, what time do you get home tomorrow? And I said, all right, well, I work brunch. And if it's a long brunch, I'll be home around four. And he was like, okay, I'll call you at 4.30 your time. And I said, okay, I love you and I'll talk to you tomorrow. And he was like, okay, I'll talk to you tomorrow. That was the last phone call. And there was no note. There was no, you know what I mean? So your brain as somebody that loves him goes, what the heck happened? What happened? Yeah. His heart was so big. His heart was just so big. It was too much. The world was too much for him because he internalized it all. And when we got the autopsy report, his heart was larger than the average males. <laughs> oh, whoa. Oh, wow. And I just was like, what the heck? Now we have the physical proof of what I felt internally. And it was, it was however many 50 grams bigger than the, you know, whatever. Like it was, it wasn't an enlarged heart, like he was sick, but it was just a larger heart mm -hmm. for a male, his age, his size, whatever. And I was like, holy shit. There are people that are not of this earth that have come from someplace else. I totally believe that about my brother. I think a lot of physical attributes as the large heart. So anyway, you guys well, have been fantastic. You've been fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You're such a great Thank storyteller. You. This is awesome. I'm so, yeah. I'm so glad. Definitely appreciate you coming on the show. I'm so glad you reached out. If you want to connect yeah. with me on Facebook, it is Stacy Short. Currently, I have purple hair and red lipstick on my Facebook profile. Um, the tagline says, life is short, so let's just do it together, shall we? You know you're in the right spot. <laughs> Come find me. Send me a DM if you'd like to. If you want to be on the show, great. If you just want your problem answered and be anonymous, great. I'll probably make up some funny name for you. Don't be offended. I uh, tease the ones I care about. You can find me in a few short minutes on Instagram, Darylin's Delights on Instagram, that's my partner, and on Facebook, Darylin Caesar or Stacy Short. And I love homespun haints. Hainter! Oh, what up? <laughs> well, thanks so much, Stacy. I'm so glad you could come on today. Everyone, that's our show. This is Homespun Haints with Stacy Short. You just heard all the wonderful ways to get in touch with her. Also, be sure you check out our Facebook page at Homespun Haints, our Instas at Homespun Haints, and our website, homespunhaints.com has all of the episodes. So if you can't find them on your podcast provider, you can always find them there. Any closing remarks, Diana? <laughs> no, that was awesome, Stacey. And we're going to put a lot of links to a lot of help for a lot of different types of mental health issues mm -hmm. in, in this episode. So Please. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That was yes. very important. such an honor to, to Nathan's memory and legacy. And thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank yes, you. Thank absolutely. you for sharing. And everything was that's, so touching. That's so much mm -hmm. more important than my shit. Honestly, just American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And just there's actually one, Diana, if you'd write it down, it's called You Matter LLC. It's one of my sorority sisters, it's a company based out of Colorado. She developed this You Matter LLC and she gives positive things out and information out on Facebook. And she actually has an Etsy store and all of that, like 10% of that goes towards the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Awesome. So I would love for her to be honored in that as well, because she deserves oh, yeah. it. 
she deserves to talk about taking the negative and turning it around to help other people. Well, we will definitely include that. Yes. Thank you so much. You guys have been amazing. Can we be friends? Yes, let's be friends. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. yes. Painters together. <laughs> Painters forever. Right. Be a hater, not a, not a uh, what did I say? Be a hater, not a hater. Not a hater. Yes. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. And everybody, till next time, have a spooky day.